Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George and Deacon Bear in studio. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in on the show, on the podcast, or on the radio, wherever you are. It's good to see you today. It's great to see you on this hot, hot Friday. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, two Fridays in a row. Look at that. Yeah, here we are. You know, we're we're back in the saddle. Where else could we be? Yeah. Dude, I was talking to someone yesterday who said that our podcast mm-hmm. had a profound impact on them. Really? I couldn't believe it. We have some silent listeners. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. What was it about the show that, that they said? Is it just... He said, you know, he started listening and it was just kind of like entertaining banter back and forth, but then got like sucked into like some real daily life gospel discipleship stuff that right. made an impact on him. That's kind of like, the show. I was like, wait a minute, that's what we were trying to do. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of exactly the show. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you don't realize it. And, and then you look back, you're like, oh. Yeah. We actually <clears throat> did that. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, thanks to you, listener. Yeah. And everyone else listening on uh, wherever you are, the podcast or on KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. It is still summer. It's fine. God is good. We're moving on. Fall will be here soon. Soon. Everybody needs to chill. I was talking to a friend of mine, and um, he works for an organization in Minnesota. And with the consulting work I do, he was asking some questions. We were catching up, whatever. And he's like, I was like, what are you doing right now? And it was like three in the afternoon. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm walking in the park. I was like, excuse me? I was like, we are not walking in any park right now. <laughs> at three in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon. Maybe yeah. at night or early in the morning. He's like, dude, the weather here is amazing. I was like, in August? He's like, yeah. Now, winters there are hellacious, but right now, I would switch with him. Maybe we should start some exchange programs. No one wants to come here, though. Yeah, the, in the winter? No, in the... Uh, oh, in the summer? Oh, okay. So you can go stay... Okay, so it's not like flip-flopping. So in the summer, you go up there, Yeah. and in the winter, he comes down here. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's the exchange program. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's like a hosting program. You're going to host him. Is he going to live at your house? Well, we didn't really talk about it, so you just brought it up. But <laughs> you you actually have an old bed and breakfast as a house, so like, that's true. You know, you could probably fit more. People. Rooms are pretty full, though. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a crew. Okay, so um, I'm kind of excited today. I see a little surprise on your desk over there, and we have this segment called, um, you know, the hot box. Hot box. Hot box. Yep. Um, I have a box for you. Okay. I think part of the rule of this should be that I don't say anything. I just give it to you, right? Okay. And then you respond. So the hot box segment, I'm opening up this box. I have no idea what it is. So everyone listening, it's just a box. And then actually, it says peace on earth. It, was this like a Christmas box you found? No comment. You can't You can't make comments? Okay, I can. Yeah, it's, it is a Christmas uh, gift box. Now, there's no rules to this game. Right. Okay. I mean, other than like uh, virtue and decency. Other than that. Right. Like, there's no rules, and, you're, like, you're making up rules right now. Yep. Which is, like, you're, like, no comment. <laughs> you just made up a rule of the game. Well, I just didn't want to give a comment, but now I do. Yes, it's a But Christmas. to explain to everyone, you know, it it's a peace on earth box. It's like a Christmas <laughs> box. But it's not wrapped. It's, like, a already decorated box. I wish I could just give you peace on earth, but I can't. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, <laughs> So do I need a guess or can I just open it up? Yeah, just open it, it up. It, have a good time. It's the hot box. 
Enjoy yourself. Okay. Here's the hot box. Here we go. Ooh. A book. A huge oh. book. Yep. Of books. Okay. This is a surprise. <laughs> what is this book? It's got a... Oh. Birds. <laughs> <laughs> there, it's like an encyclopedia of birds. It is. Literally. So I'm giving you this, Paul George, because um, it was given to me several years ago. Um, you ever you ever given talk somewhere and like you kind of get fixated on an analogy and okay. you just keep going back to it? Yeah. So whatever reason I chose that day, birds as an analogy, and just kept going back. And someone actually who was at that talk gave me this book of birds because mm-hmm. they said it sounds like you love birds so much. And you really don't. And it is a fascinating read. Yeah, I mean, I might find something in there. Yeah. Oh, here, another thing, a $5, the Bible, the smart guide to the Bible series. Wow. For $5, somebody threw it away. This looks, this is like a Bible for dummies, basically. Correct, by Father Larry Richards. Yeah. And that was also given to me. Um, unfortunately, I haven't uh, found the time to read it, so well, I thought you might. I think, well, you have a master's degree. Mm-hmm. in um, theology. You too, yeah. Yeah, so the, this might be a beginner's version. Yeah. I could probably learn something from it, but it looks like something you would find at Goodwill. Yeah, we'll enjoy it, man. I hope you enjoy it. Maybe you could bless someone with it. I don't know. Okay, and then there's a mini journal. It looks like one that I've given you. So but I uh, I use these things a lot, so I keep them on hand, but it's a little pocket size. It looks used, like one of your kid's crayon or colored on it with a marker. Correct. It's not used inside, though. Oh, okay. So it's it's used on the outside, but it fits in a coat pocket. So I typically have one on my left coat pocket that's like my work notes, and one on my right coat pocket that's like my spiritual notes, things like that. Oh, nice. So I'm giving you one of those uh, That's good. I have, I have about 30 journals yeah. that I use, and here's the problem with me, and I don't know if anybody else is like this is that you'll write one thing in one journal, like a to-do list, mm-hmm. and then you write it in another one. Oh, gosh. That sounds... Another, it sounds oof. horrible. Yeah. So then I, I kind of consolidate that on my computer, on my notes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's kind of all over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. And there's one more thing in this box. There is one more thing. Mini chocolate chip cookies. Those, sir, are gluten-free mini chocolate chip cookies that my daughter made. Because my wife and I are recently gluten-free. She was just diagnosed with celiac disease and uh, can't eat gluten. And I know that when I told you that, you mentioned uh, your wife and daughter are also off gluten. Yes. So Can I taste one? This, oh, yeah. These are for uh, them slash you. Mm, they definitely taste gluten-free. Yep. If you don't know what that means, it means it's they're, it's kind of a little gritty. Yep. But well, they still taste like they have sugar in them. So there's something special about these cookies. They were created to be put in milk. Like cereal. It's like cookie crisp. Oh. And so that was my daughter's idea, and it actually works pretty well. So if you want to recommend that to your wife or daughter mm. or yourself. So that's uh, that's mm. the hot box today. I love it. Man, that was very thoughtful of you. Thanks. By the way. <laughs> well, I knew you used journals, and I had extra, so I was like. Well, I had an idea for a hot box today, but you texted me and said that you were bringing the hot box. So thank you. Hey, you're welcome. I tell you what, but out of all the items, the journal, the Bible for dummies, um, the gluten-free um, <laughs> cookies, <laughs> the the thing that I'm probably going to actually enjoy the most or look through is the encyclopedia on birds. Yeah, I figured. It is pretty neat. Well, I know you're an outdoorsy guy. Yeah. And right. there, there is something like, 
very leisurely about bird watching. I've noticed, especially older folks get into this, but there's something about birds. I mean, in the Bible, birds represent angels Do they? and demons in, on several occasions. Hmm. I mean, remember when Jesus told the parable that the bird came and ate up the uh, seed yeah. on the path? And he said the evil one. So he was comparing like the evil one to a bird. And then we had like um, uh, the mustard seed parable. Where he said the birds come and dwell in its branches. And St. Augustine said that like those represented the angels. So this idea of these things that fly, you know? Yeah, and there's something about eggs of birds represent new life uh nest nesting new life right um easter um sort of where the easter egg comes from right like yeah this idea of, right. of new life no no i don't know where the easter bunny comes in because last i checked bunnies didn't lay eggs that's true which is really confusing maybe it's the miracle of the resurrection because that is a miracle if a bunny lays eggs that's a miracle yeah like a rabbit doesn't lay eggs and i know like some people just found that out for the first time (laughs) listening to the show so you're kind of having a moment right now where you're like wait what but yeah i hate to break the news to you (laughs) you know um speaking of bunnies laying eggs if that did happen i think that leads perfectly into a have you seen what did you say that is so interesting for real though you know, Paul, sometimes the works of mercy, you find them, sometimes they find you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, my friend yesterday who I was talking to, Ryan O'Hara, who has a podcast and works for an organization, and great guy, um, he was talking about the works of mercy, which is so huh. crazy you bring it up, but they are have been so um, intentional about works of mercy in their family life that they have they open their home to, like, anyone like Mm -hmm. like homeless people like just crazy works of mercy like amazing like saintly type that's awesome yeah well a couple of weeks ago the works of mercy found marjorie perkins she was she is still alive 87 years old Mm -hmm. okay and she was uh walking around i guess going for a walk it was two weeks ago in maine so it wasn't too hot because they're in Maine. Yeah, it's nice up there right now. Um, no, no, wait, wait. That's not what happened. My apologies. Someone broke into her home. Okay. In so Maine. she wasn't walking around because it was 2 a.m. Oh, okay. A teenage man okay. was starting to attack her. That's horrible. Yes. It get, the story gets better, I promise. I figured it probably would. So Sh- he has a knife. Oh. Um... And he start, He comes into the house, and he's, like, angry. And he's, like, threatening her with a knife. Marjorie says, I thought to myself, if he's going to cut, then I'm going to kick. But then she grabbed a chair to use as a shield, and she was actually cut on the forehead. I know this sounds terrible so far. But it gets better. It does get better. Wait, there's more. Well, the teenager gives up for a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he's he's trying to get her. She's got a chair in front of her. And uh, he stops and goes into the kitchen and starts eating. Oh, he's just hungry. I wonder if he was drunk. He had the the munchies. So he goes from attacking her with a knife to like, hey, time out. Let's, you know, let's go into our corners. I'm going to eat in your kitchen. So she's a little confused at this point. Obviously. (laughs) So she wanders into the kitchen, sees him eating uh, some crackers that he had found. 
So she decides. This is hysterical. So she asks, are you, are you hungry? Wow. He said, yes. So she pulls out the peanut butter to go with the crackers, gets some tangerines, peels it for him, gives him a little protein shake. Um, so she goes from like fighting this guy off who broke into her house to feeding him at the table. Right. Hmm. And she didn't even call the cops. Wow. But the dude left her house um, and then tried to do the same thing in another house Oh, where he got arrested. Okay. <laughs> so, so he got arrested. He's not still on the loose. But not by Marjorie. Marjorie didn't call. Like she, uh, she saw his hunger and then decided to do a work of mercy where she could have just called the cops. Well, this is a great example of how justice and mercy go together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like you, honestly, like in our in our Christian faith and our discipleship and in the works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy is um, you you can you can have great mercy and love for someone, and at the same time, that person um, can have justice for them based on what they've done, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you you can visit the prisoner and love them, and yet. They, the just thing is that they're still in prison to pay for their crime. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the two coexist, justice and mercy, which is so interesting. Like in this story, you know, the woman's like, you know, justly fighting him off, mercifully feeds him, mercifully lets him go, and maybe even thinks, okay, like if he's a repeat offender, he's going to get caught and put to jail. And so like justice catch up, catches up with him. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he experienced mercy and justice. Yeah, which maybe when he's in his jail cell and he sobers up on whatever he's on, he'll remember, did that really happen? Did that lady, like, feed me? Yeah. After I just tried to kill her? Yeah. Chances Um, are he's probably high, stoned, on drugs, you know, obviously loaded on something, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But But he's going to remember this act of mercy. And I, I might remember that if next time I'm getting attacked, it's just be like, hey, 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 you hungry? <laughs> you want to get something to eat? You want you want to get something to eat? <laughs> I'm buying. Yeah. It, it is interesting. Uh, there, there was a time, uh, this is going to sound crazy, and, and I don't know how to explain the story, but it was late at night, and I was in a, um, <clears throat> I, I just, it, it was an unsafe area of a town I was driving through, and I needed gas. So I stopped at a gas station. And I felt very unsafe. It was late at night, which I would feel unsafe anywhere where I stopped. But like particularly there was some loitering going around and and, and I just felt unsafe. But I I was almost out of gas. Okay, And I thought like the best way to sort of like feel safe in the moment is just to make friends. Mm -hmm. And so like I just started talking to people at the other pumps and like the people who were loitering. And one guy had a flat. I was like, let me help you. So, and before I knew it, like I kind of dismantled my own fear and maybe even the actual fear or the unsafety that was actually happening around by just developing friendship mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I just went kind of on the proactive of this sort of work of friendship and mercy, helping this guy who I didn't know change his tire. He was like super grateful and all his friends were like rallying around me and thanking me. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and before they knew it, they're like, hey, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to make it out here safe, you know, like, (laughs) and so like there is something great about dismantling, um, 
whether whether it be perceived fear or actual fear by love by uh, being intentionally merciful and loving assuming the greater thing in someone on the front end mhm yeah it's interesting I, I i heard someone speak recently about the security that comes with friendship that uh emotionally like we f- we feel much more secure when friends are around than enemies hmm. <clears throat> and you bring up this uh that's a brilliant statement yeah <laughs> but it's true like there's there's this fear at the heart of us of like is a person a friend or foe which is instinctual you know like uh animals think the same thing right yes. it's like will this person attack and harm or are they here to help or are they neutral like what what is the and when we don't really know, we call that a stranger, right? Like, I don't really know what your intentions are. I don't know. So keeping someone a stranger can keep us in fear. Right. Because we don't know. And, in fact, it's much easier to be an enemy to a stranger than to a friend, right? So, like, when we befriend someone with mercy, then we do a work that really supplies security to both of us, right? Because we're no longer strangers. Mm-hmm. So, like, for you in, in that situation... The person you were helping knew you weren't an enemy either. Right. You know what I mean? Like y'all both felt more secure. So not only does the tire get changed, but something much more important happens with works of mercy, friendship. Well, in one of the readings, the, the readings this week spoke about forgiveness. Um, and that's a, that's a work of mercy. Okay. To yeah. like intentionally seek forgiveness someone, okay, that we've wronged or that has wronged us, right? So both. But to be on the offensive of that is a work of mercy that that frees us up, okay? And so, like, if you want to dismantle maybe a toxic relationship or something that's going south with someone is just be on the front end of, of that work of mercy of asking forgiveness or saying that you forgive them for yourself and for your freedom in your spiritual life. Uh, not assuming that it's going to change them, but it does put you on the front end. Like it changes everything. Mm-hmm. When you, uh, I, I remember, you know, there, <clears throat> I had a friend that was was extremely upset with me for years over something that I didn't even intentionally do, but it still upset him. And and I kind of just got into my corner with it and just said, well, I didn't, I didn't intentionally do that. That's not what I meant to do. And I just kind of stayed in that. But it, it, it never really solved the issue of me defending myself. Hmm. And so I finally just came to a place to be like, what does it hurt me to just admit that even if I didn't intentionally mean to hurt that person, I hurt that person. And so I'm going to go to him and actually just for, ask forgiveness and say I'm sorry for e- even unintentionally. And it just disarmed everything. Like it changed the whole everything of everything between Mm. us and between other people changed the atmosphere. And that work of mercy allows grace to move in the situation. Yeah. And this, this isn't just psychological health. This is spiritual health because sin at its core is enmity with God. When we sin, we put ourselves, we make ourselves enemies of God. Mm. Not that he is now a stranger or he is the one who wishes ill, but that we have made ourselves strangers of God, that we, don't lo- we no longer know him the way he is. We treat him as something he's not when we sin. And so this enmity between us and God that we've created by our sins, that's what's destroyed by the grace of Jesus Christ and salvation. That's what's offered is a reconciliation and putting that enmity to death, that we would become friends of God now. 
And this is why Jesus makes a clear connection between salvation and what you just described, that we have to be merciful if we expect mercy. That's it. Like we can't, we are, we are still putting ourselves in enmity with God when we insist on enmity with other people. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Deacon Bear, Paul George in studio. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening out on the podcast, on the radio. Uh, if you missed the hot box segment, it was quite entertaining. <laughs> and my stomach is hurting from that one little chocolate chip cookie. Is it? Yeah. I don't eat sugar much that has sugar in it. Plus it it's gluten free, which, um, which is fine. Um, it's all good. But the best part of the thing is actually the box. It's a Christmas mm-hmm. box that says peace on earth. Yeah. And there's nothing um, more <laughs> untrue about that statement on that box. <laughs> there is no peace on this earth. <clears throat> it's, yeah. You know, there's Well, pe- we're talking about that sin. There's like, sin. There's, there's peace in our heart. There's peace yep. in Christ. But like, man, you look around. It's crazy. It's chaotic. Look, I had an interesting conversation. So last week... um. I was in Atlanta, did consulting for a church, and then I, I gave a men's talk the following day. I, I saw you after that. We recorded. Uh, mm-hmm. Or did we? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, anyway, this guy came up to me, and he's, hey, I, you know, I'm in wrestling with something, which was so cool, like, just the conversation. Like, the, I think just the humility of this guy just walking up and being like, hey, man, I'm struggling with something, like, really been wrestling with something and I just kind of wanted to get your opinion or, or what you do or whatever. He's like, I, I just feel like I don't, I don't know how to grow in faith. Like I don't even know. And you and I had literally that week on the show, I think we had talked about that faith is a choice, like putting mm-hmm. into action sort of these practice swings of faith, right? Like mm-hmm. love is a decision that, that faith grows as we decide to believe, you know, it's not just, yes, it's a gift. The grace begins, but like we grow faith by just putting it into action, even if we're struggling with believing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so having this conversation with this guy and he's, and we had, you and I had literally just had the conversation as I do. This is just what I try to do in my own life. Like I'm not great at it, but like, I'm just, I work on believing just like I work on loving. I choose to love. So now I, I just trying to choose to believe, particularly in moments where I'm struggling with believing. And, you know, it was just kind of a great conversation around this. And it's interesting because the gospel this Sunday from Matthew 15 is, you know, about this persistent woman who keeps coming to the Lord, you know, asking for healing for her daughter who's tormented by a demon. 
Okay, so like if your kid's tormented by a demon, you would want to do something about it. You go to the mm-hmm. doctor, she's probably tried everything, and now she he- hears about Jesus being a great healer. Whether she knows he he's the Lord or not, she just knows there's something great about him. She's probably tried everything. Her daughter's possessed by a demon, and she's a Canaanite woman, you know, and J- Jesus makes a statement, I've, I've come from the people of Israel, yada, yada, like, you know, that's why I've come. And I, and I think that statement, you know, has a lot of theological sort of oversight. But she keeps begging him, right? And keeps coming after him, keeps begging him. And um, then Jesus finally says to her in reply, which is related to what I'm saying is, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. And so like if she would have walked away from the moment Jesus said, Hey, you know, I don't have time where his disciples kind of were, holding her off from mm-hmm. like approaching Jesus, uh, her daughter would have, would have not been healed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But she just, her faith, like is just, she was just putting it into action over and over. Like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm just going to believe it is. And she just kept after him. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this, uh, scene is so, uh, interesting. I mean, I, faith, is tested and God tests our faith. I mean, this is biblical. Go back to Abraham, mm-hmm. all the way to this woman. For whatever reason, God, by his for his purposes, does test our faith. And usually it's because it's not about us. So, like, why are we even talking about this woman? So if, if she would have come up to Jesus, heal my daughter, and he said, sure, she's healed. Like, well, I'm sure that happened, actually. It wouldn't have ended up in the gospel. Right. It wouldn't have been that memorable. In yeah. fact, it would have been part of the one of those sentences like, and he cured every disease among the people. Right. Which is quite a sentence, but like we don't know any of those people. Right. But we know the Canaanite woman. So her situation, God wanted to bless the whole world through her situation because we would see ourselves in her situation. Right. That sometimes we have to be persistent in our prayer for years. And sometimes we have to, we go to Jesus and it seems like he's not listening. It seems like he's not going to, you know, but we go and we go and we go. Our Lord tested her faith so that he could give us our faith in the same kind of moments, right? Right. Well, our lives are the same way. Hmm. You know, like my life is not just about me. It's about everyone else. And so if I have to beg God for years for something or months or whatever, like why, why are you testing my faith, Jesus? Well, it's not just about you. Right. It's so that I can bless the whole world through you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and our faith, like we read this reading, is like uh, begging, persistence. I think it gives this image of, um, you know, d- does God, like, you know, only answer if I'm persistent or beg? No, it, the, the whole sort of imagery and idea is that this, this woman was making steps to grow her faith by continually coming to the Lord and asking. Right. Mm-hmm. So like it, that's how faith grows. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's just choosing to have faith in the moment, even though we struggle to believe. Okay. So like you, it, it's okay to like struggle with believing and at the same time have faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, because that's, that's our human nature and, and that's how we grow the muscle of faith. Just like it, we grow the muscle of love by choosing to love when we don't feel like it. Yeah. Okay. So, 
this is a beautiful reading and imagery. And as you kind of approach Mass this Sunday and, and, and you're hearing this, just think of ways that like you can just put your faith in the Lord, trust the Lord, even though you're like struggling to, whether it's your 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 work, your finances, your your health, your 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 marriage, your vocation, uh, your children, uh, you know, anything that you're struggling with, like feeling like God's not coming through for that, or or it's not like where it needs to be. Just choosing to hand that over and trust in the Lord, and, and it's okay to to even struggle with, like I said, like man, I, I don't know like what's going to happen. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I constantly live my life that way. Like, yeah, man, God, I don't know. <laughs> I got, I'm just like handing it over, but like, it feels shaky right now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people can relate to that because like, that's life. It's just, yeah, it's life. It, it, it well, that's growth. Yeah. That's how we grow. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I think pairing this with last week's gospel is so interesting because last week we heard Jesus tell Peter, uh, talk to, well, not scold him, but tell him he had little faith, right? Like, why did you doubt? Right. And then this week we have this Canaanite woman who's not even Jewish, who's, you know, and then he says, great is your faith. So mm. this contrast between Peter, who's literally the first pope, mm. okay, with struggling in his faith, and then this woman who's, like, as disconnected from Jesus as anyone could be. Yeah. As far as, like, office or title or relation, whatever. Right. Great is your faith. And, Paul, this reminds me of, I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, but, like, when people are insecure in their faith, they usually reference things that have nothing to do with faith. Like, I I just don't know enough. Right. Or, like, I'm not anybody important. It's not like I'm a priest or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, but I'm just, you know, when they're insecure in their faith, it's like they don't know enough or they're not high enough in the church or like there's some kind of like that has nothing to do with faith, actually. And I think our Lord is making that point. Like it, this woman has great faith, um, has nothing to do with her title, how much she knows, no. how much, she, whatever. It's just that, like you said, she trusts who Jesus is and is and persists in it. And she's humble enough to admit like and he, ask and ask, but he he calls her a dog, and she says even the dogs list the scrap yep. eat the scraps from the table, right? Like she's humble enough to admit how low she is, and that's where the greatness comes from. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mean, you must have heard that like me from a thousand people who just feel insecure. It's like I don't know enough. I don't. I'm not. I am not enough. No, no, no. In fact, the greatest testimonies of faith in the gospels come from people like that, like this woman. Amen. All right. So do we have a Weird Catholics. Yep. That's weird, bruh. You're weird. I am. Certified Weird Catholics. Weird Catholics. Duff. So this coming week, we celebrate uh, the Feast of an Apostle, St. Bartholomew. Okay. I know that's... Isn't that your son's name, Bartholomew? Yeah, it's close, but we call him Jacob. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, I haven't met too many Bartholomews. Yeah, there's but, um, some. Yeah, there, there's some. Yeah. Well, St. Bartholomew uh, has one of the weirdest martyr situation. I like this. And if people haven't, and I've actually been called out on this because I've I've been in front of a non-Catholic before a painting of St. Bartholomew before. Okay. Doing RCIA. Uh huh. 
And it's weird because usually we depict martyrs by like the way they died. Yeah, we talk about people dying a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> well, St. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Flayed. Define flayed. Like someone took a knife and separated his skin from his body. Like filet? Until he Close died. to that? I don't know. Flayed. Yeah. Flayed. Wow. I don't that know if filet of fish means the same thing. Horrible. No, I know what you mean. Flayed if you flayed something. I, yeah. So skinned. Yeah. Well, the thing is, as weird Catholics, this is what we do, that we're going to... Save the skin? No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but we're going to depict... Have you ever heard of chicken cracklins? Yes. Okay, they're the best thing. So cracklins... I much prefer them to pork. No offense. So cracklins, if you don't know, if you're not from here, is the... They started with the skin of pork, a pig, and there's a little fat on it and a little bit of meat, and they fry those. And they're just... They, they're they kind of crisp. They are crispy, and they, yeah. they're, that's what they crackling, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're really good. Yeah, chicken crackling's awesome. They're really good. So, mm-hmm. But chicken cracklins is basically like you take the skin of the chicken, there's still some fat on it, and then you cut it up, and then you fry that. Mm-hmm. And, and bruh. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, it's like that. That's it's what they say. beautiful. Yeah. And it's gluten-free. So just um, tell me that, you know, they didn't make cracklins out of his... I don't think so. Okay. Um, but, like weird Catholics tend to do, so we depict martyrdom. Yeah. So there's paintings throughout the centuries, and I encourage anyone to just, like, Google... St. Bartholomew, martyrdom. Okay. And you'll see some of the most beautifully done paintings of a really weird thing, which is someone getting their skin taken off of them. Oh, but it's... In great detail. It's displayed with great beauty. Right. Like it's a beautiful painting. painting, Okay. But of a guy getting his skin ripped off. Um, So, anyway, that's a really weird thing that Catholics do. And if you ever see a picture of a man getting his skin taken off, Mm -hmm. that's St. Bartholomew. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, you know, Protestants kind of don't do the saint thing or the martyrdom thing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we have those. But, like, they will depict or highlight, like, Old Testament characters and have paintings of those. So Mm -hmm. I just finished writing this Advent devotional that's coming out. And the theme is the shepherd, okay, for Advent. And so, like, the first week, just to kind of give you some insight, when you get it, it's great. It's day by day, week by week through Advent. First week is God as shepherd, and the second is a week with David as a shepherd. Well, one of, you know, one of the images there is, you know, David and Goliath. And there's mm-hmm. so many images of depicted of David actually holding the head of Goliath. Yeah. You know, it's and, and it's like, it's spoken of in like great victory and beauty and there's these amazing paintings about it and this whole idea. And then you'll see this up in churches and whatever. I was like, well, that that's kind of like all the saints are depicted in some way, shape or form in their, their, their way they live their faith or their actions. Yeah. The great victory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and it's interesting the the idea of patron saints sometimes gets pretty funny and ironic. That's another weird thing. So like St. Bartholomew, is the patron saint of tanners. That's horrible. Like get, tanning hides. Right. Yes. Oh, it gets better. Tailors. Oh, they're just going to connect all all of it. Leather workers. That Ooh, one bothers me. That does kind of bother me. But it's true. Um, and so, you know, if you're thinking, like, y'all are making fun of this, in part, yeah, but, like, this is true. Right. Like, this is, like, actually, like, what Catholic. And then do. finally, butchers. Whew. Kind of, Ouch. Kind of brutal. Yeah. 
can, I would just add in there crackling makers. Can we petition that? I don't yeah. know who makes these patron saints official, but I think you're right. Like if you're a crackling maker, you know, you own like a boudin and crackling shop, then I think you should pray to, um, yeah, St. Bartholomew. We should open up Bartholomew's chicken crackling. Yeah. Yeah. It'll thrive mm-hmm. under his patronage. Speaking of <laughs> chicken cracklings, and this is a very Cajun French thing, you know, and so one of the saints that we um, commemorate or celebrate or feast day is this week um, is St. Bernard of Clairvaux, which mm-hmm. is uh, obviously French, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, Bernard of Clairvaux. Yeah. Bernard's a last name for a lot of people here. That's true. In Louisiana. Bernard of Clairvaux. So if uh, my friend Scott Bernard, there, there is a there's hope for you to be a saint if you're listening <laughs> to this. I know you don't you don't think so, but there it is. But in the year eleven uh, eleven, this is a cool statement. I love this. At the age of twenty, so if there's anyone who's a young person, twenty years old, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the age of twenty, Bernard left his home to join the monastic community of Citeaux, maybe. Uh, five, his five brothers, okay, I don't know if all five, like, if that's all his brothers, but five of his brothers, or his five brothers, two uncles, and some 30 young friends followed him into the monastery. Oh, my goodness. And he was 20. Yep. Within four years, a dying community had recovered enough vitality to establish a new house in the nearby valley of Wormwoods with Bernard as an abbot. Uh, so think about this, like the impact of like one person, right, and their friends could have on one community. I mean, what 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 would possess those people to follow a twenty year old anywhere? I mean, you know, twenty year olds, yeah. like like his uncles were maybe about our age. Yeah. What? I don't what know. what must have been true about Bernard that we would be like? You know what? I'm doing it too. I use this assessment called a working genius when I do consulting and it's awesome. My feeling is that he is what you call a galvanizer. Mm -hmm. Probably just great with recruiting people and like just rallying people around a mission. And I think they all bought into that mission and were like, okay, let's roll. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. And I love this imagery and story because it's like, if you think, Oh, what, what impact can I have? You can have a huge impact on your family, on your workplace. But if you just got one friend, one person, one kid, your wife, your husband, to jump in with you, you have doubled the impact, mm-hmm. right? You just get five of your friends and say, we're going to live life differently. We're going to stop being, you know, on the fringes and on the edges of like living the gospel. And five of us are just going to commit to go into that parish and like just being on fire or that school or that town or that, you know, office building and work. Imagine what impact you could have. Mm-hmm. And this is like what happened. Like they had, a, they, they entered a dying community and just because he had, you know, 25 people or whatever, join him 35, it changed their whole community. Yeah. I mean, that is a community, right? 30 people. Well, you're right. He might be the patron saint of galvanizers because it's the same Bernard of Clairvaux that rallied all of Europe to go fight in the Crusades. So this big war far away, 
he preached that he was tasked with preaching the crusades throughout Europe. So like there was something about him that when he spoke about a mission, people wanted to immediately go risk their lives for it or give their life for it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. He had a unique charism of leadership, but it says he advisor to popes, preacher of the second crusade, defender of the faith, healer of a schism, reformer of the monastic order, scripture scholar, theologian, eloquent preacher. And if one of these was his titles, however, would distinguish him, but he had all of these. Wow. He had a desire to, and at the end of his life, he did all those things. And then at the end of his life, he returned to the monastic life. That is my dream. (laughs) Where did he go? So go conquer the world for Jesus, then retire into a cave. Conquer the world and then just go live under the rock. And then people just come knock. Be like, hey man, can I ask you some questions? Be like, absolutely. (laughs) Like Yoda. Yeah. But for Jesus. 100%. Mm -hmm. Like where, what happened to Paul George? Where did he go? Where's Deacon Bear these days? He's just hibernating in his cave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That, that's what I envision. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Adam Conk, the Deacon Bear in studio. Thanks for listening to the podcast or uh, um, on the radio. So I really appreciate you, Adam. uh, If you didn't listen to the first segment, it was his turn to deliver the hot box. And Mm -hmm. what a great treat. Mm. Now, he did give me the smallest journal. It's supposed to fit in your pocket. Well, here's what you need to know. And you know this, but like everybody else, I can't see this without glasses. Well, you can write as big as you want in it. It's not that you... you then I would have one word yeah, per page. Yeah, take two lines. You don't have to do the one line thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just very uniquely scribbled on on the cover by one of your children. Do you yep. know which one? No. I, I think that's multiple kids. But I mean, it's going to be Elizabeth or Paul that did that. Yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, they had the the foresight or the virtue to just scribble on the cover but not mm-hmm. open it up and scribble on the pages so i don't know what you did there did something right look watch put it in your pocket see i don't ha- you oh, have a shirt pocket it's i perfect. do have a shirt pocket just put it right in there okay let me see if it fits um you know and then look now i can write things in it and i can show them yeah to look how you. big you see, good job so like if we need to go to the next segment and you can't read my lips which you're horrible at doing yeah and so am I, by the way, because you have no lips. I don't. You're, it's covered in hair. <laughs> your lips are actually covered by a beard. So, like, I, I can't, even if you did try to whisper something without saying it, 
it's just this big hairy face moving. Yeah. There's no reading lips because I'm like, where are they? Right. They're not there. They're not there. But I can actually write on my little journal. I'm going to leave it here in the studio. I think that's a perfect size word. You can read that? Yeah, with my glasses. Perfect. Yeah. Do it. So Put it in your pocket. I okay, if I leave it here in the studio, how long do you think it'll stay here without being taken? Forever. That's why you got to put it in your pocket right now. Do it. Okay. So do speaking it. of... <laughs> How about a six-pack of questions? Question. Question number one. So uh, you said that out of the hot box, the bird book was probably the one that you'll actually use. Um, so I know you're an outdoorsy guy. Mm-hmm. You're from Marksville, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, the parish. I don't really know the names of that many birds, but there is. <clears throat> there seems to be something about animals and familiarity with animals that's very good for humans you know like oh i know what that bird is i know how they fly i know their whatever or i know their call did you have so the question is uh how much do you know about birds well mostly no is like if the world ends and i need to know which birds are good to eat Mm. that's a good thing to know how did you come to know that by eating them so just trial and error Trial and error, or like you know, your Uncle T <laughs> tells you, man, that's a good bird to eat, you know, because they've tried it or done it, you know. But you know, I think if the world's gonna, you know, if I needed to survive, I would know how to a little mm-hmm. bit at least what to eat. I'm coming you know? to your house now. There is beauty in birds and nests and eggs. I talked about that. So like, mm-hmm. there there's some wildlife that aren't really meant to be hunted or killed or eaten mm-hmm. just beauty you know and certainly you know god's creation saint saint francis of assisi was a great lover of birds that's true you know and nature and so there's something all nature speaks of the beauty of god but you know there's something different about a tree than a bird like mm-hmm. the life of like an actual animal the instinct the the the, the just the beauty of the intricacies of their colors and like everything like so i guess that's why people bird watch or whatever like there's people who have binoculars and do all those things that you know i have a problem with it question number two so we talked about uh miss perkins up in rain uh maine mm. the united states of not america rain. not although rain although we did talk about rain on this on the show maybe last week we yeah the, the frog fest frog it rained frogs rain frogs uh miss perkins from maine that uh, took someone's violence against her and then turned it into an act of mercy. And you don't have to give any details that shouldn't be given, but my question is, have you ever been in that situation where, like, you were misbehaving towards someone and then their mercy just kind of hit you? Hmm. Like, wow. I know I've, I have, and it was very formative for yeah. me. Well, I know if I had to write an article on that that happened in Maine, it would probably be cocaine in Maine. Yeah. Like this guy was obviously very, very high. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And he had the munchies. Um that that's a good question. I probably, you know, since I've been married so long now, um just the mercy that I've I've been given in the times that I fall short, you know. Mm-hmm. That even in the moment I don't feel like I deserve it, you know, and that's that's beautiful because mercy and that corporal work of mercy towards you or given to you is very transforming. Mm-hmm. You know? Right on. All right, question number three. We talked about the uh, Canaanite woman in the gospel for this coming Sunday. And uh, 
I got to imagine that the, the people that have come for you for advice and, and direction or, or counsel on um, something they're dealing with, this comes up often, this idea of like patience in prayer and waiting for God's timing for things, but also being persistent. Um, and sometimes we're w- not willing to do that. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're like, whatever. So what fruit have you seen happen in people's life when like, something's really bothering them or distressing them and they go ahead and, okay, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to pray. I'm all in God's timing. Like what fruit other than the answered prayer or not answered prayer, what does it do to us when we're willing to be patient with God's timing Mm. versus like forcing our own? I think anxiety in general is thinking about the future, thinking about something ahead, thinking about something and we don't have control over the outcome and we make up the outcome. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then that causes real panic and anxiety. We do it all the time, right? I think about something failing, or I think about you know getting on a plane and 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 not making it. You know, like I have made up a story. I think about the future, and then it causes anxiety in the moment, right? Because you know the outcome I have no control over. And so, what what would happen if just in the moment you just said, "What what if everything turns out okay?" Mm-hmm. Right. And so with the Lord, it's like the, our faith and our trust is okay. Like, Lord, I hand it all to you. Like, what if everything just works out the way that you want? Okay. That brings me peace and calm because God acts and God's grace is in the moment, not in the future. Mm. It's not in the past. It's in the moment. So to experience God's grace and peace is in the moment. And that's the act of trusting and surrender it's not easy, but like that's if you if you and I want to experience just peace in the moment, it's in the moment. It's not in the future. It's good stuff, Paul. You should write that book. What if it all works out? What if? It's a good book. I don't know the outcome. So <laughs> other than it works <laughs> what out. What if? <laughs> what if? Question four is same situation, but like opposite angle. So she had one shot with Jesus. Jesus was in her town. She was like, I got to get this done yeah. for my daughter. Yeah. And she would not take no for an answer. Yeah. So sometimes that seems like a good thing. Yeah. When, like to not waste moments of grace. Tell mm. me about that. Like mm. what is, what the heck? It's like the, you know, instead of the patient waiting, it's also the like take advantage of what God wants to do right now. He's in your life. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't That's make great. excuses, you know? Yep. Yep. And be diligent, persistent, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like if you have a sick kid, my wife's really good at this, is like she's not just going to take the answer that someone gives her. Oh, it's just this. Like you're really going to research and like be diligent about what what is the actual sickness going on and what's the solution to that. Like, you know, it's like a, like what a mother does anything for their children, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And so like she was doing any and everything for her child, but she wasn't going to just take no for an answer, right? Because it wasn't that she was being disobedient. It was that she knew what was best for her daughter, which was healing. She knew that. And she knew that her only option was to take advantage of the divine physician that was in town. Mm-hmm. And so we have that opportunity with Jesus all the time. It's awesome. All right. Question number five. We talked about St. Bartholomew. Poor guy. Um, which, by the way, they didn't give him any anesthesia before, hmm. so they didn't offer him that. They yeah, just, and I was just thinking today, like what, skin. who is the patron saint of butchers? You were thinking that? And leather. <laughs> you were thinking that? No, I was just thinking about <laughs> crack ones, actually. 
Oh, boy. So Maybe my, we can get a crackling company to sponsor the show. We have many in this area. Uh, and they totally would because they're awesome people. And we'll talk about them. We'll if you them. spend your life making crackling, you are a happy person. There's no way around that. You're not unhappy when you eat a crackling. Or cooking it. Or now, you might it. be unhappy 30 years down the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're dead, you, mate, hopefully you're in heaven. You're good to go. Yeah. Um, all right. So my question is, this really reminds me a lot of uh, a lot of the points you make in your book, Holy Grit. But mm-hmm. like, there's a certain um, grittiness men need to have and uncomfortability. It reminds me of like how much I complain about physical discomfort. You know, if it's hot, if it's cold, if whatever. Like, I'm, I'm I can be pretty wimpy. But it seems like Christians and men need to have this uh, familiarity with discomfort and pain mm. uh, in order to actually do God's will. Like in Bartholomew's case. Um, so tell me about that, and what have you learned on that journey, especially writing Holy Grit or kind of exploring that yourself, mm. this, like, familiarity with discomfort for men? Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about that recently, actually. You know, in business, particularly, like, when I'm consulting, I'll say, like, what are your friction points in your company or your organization? Like, what are the what are the real friction points that you – they're rubbing together. You can't get over. You can't figure out. And we all have friction points in our life. Okay, so if you look at your own life, say, what are some friction points? What are the things that keep, you know, grinding together? I can't get over them. I can't figure them out, you know, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Friction points are either the the moment we give up or the moment that catapults us to the next level. Hmm. And I say friction points are the great moment of growth. Where are the friction points in your life? Those are the things that God wants you to grow in and be discomfort, you know, uncomfortable in right mm-hmm. and so i have my own and i and and yet instead of running from those friction points let me embrace those friction points and move forward allow those friction points to be like oh this is a moment of growth for me it's going to be uncomfortable discomfort but through discomfort there's growth mm. that's another book through this comfort growth yeah Dude, you're just writing books today just boom i know <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Question number six. So we talked about St. Bernard of Clairvaux and uh, his ability to apparently just rally people around. The original saint of Cracklins. <laughs> he could rally. He, he's he could definitely rally. a galvanizer. He's got to be. And you, well, when we were talking about him, you mentioned that idea of galvanizing. And, you, and then you mentioned this um, uh, assessment mm-hmm. tool. Yeah. Well, tell us more about that. What are you talking about? Yeah, the working genius assesses how we work personally and, and our personalities, 80% assesses uh, work, our workload, how we approach work, and 20% sort of our personality within that. But everything we do is work. This show's work, planning vacations work, how we approach things at home is work, but our work is work, how we work as a team is work. Like everything is sort of like the flow of work. And so that it assesses sort of the six components of a workflow and where our geniuses and our frustrations fall on that extremely eye-opening for me personally for the teams I work with it it just brings great clarity in how you understand the way you work approach work find joy in work find frustrations or burnout in work and then how you work as a team to really kind of work together on that so I use that uh, a lot and it's really been eye-opening for teams you know uh, staffs and then that kind of moves forward into like, okay, well now where are we going as a team moving forward with your company or organization? And so I have a great joy in helping 
people or organizations fulfill their mission. Like when they get clarity on that and they start moving forward, but it's hard to do that if you, when you don't have clarity on yourself and how you approach it. So it's really good. They work together. Wow. Yeah. So it's good stuff. You've actually taken the assessment. So have I. So yeah. um, it's, it, it's good. So anyway, great show, man. Um, love the box. <laughs> love the six pack. Love the weird Catholic stuff. Love the heavy scene. Um, if you didn't get to listen to the whole show, go back and listen to it. Share it on the podcast. Thanks to KLFT Radio. And we'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.